Welcome to the Lisa Show. I'm Lisa Natoli. I am a healer and a teacher of A Course in Miracles. I teach and train people to heal themselves and then to heal others. So I welcome you here. Today's topic is about dealing directly with emotions instead of avoiding them. And what most people do is they try to fix a problem. They try to make someone change something external needs to be different from what it is. And this is the way we avoid emotions, which keeps them right in place. So today I'm really going to inspire you to stand in the emotion, which is often a place of major discomfort. We don't want to stand in fear. We just want to blame. We want to just tell people what they're doing wrong. We want to change something external. And then we feel relief from that. But when you do that, you've not actually dealt with the emotion. It still has gone hiding. It's buried in you. It's still operating. And what we're doing here is we're training our minds to see what the mind is doing and then to correct the thought. So what I'm also going to be doing today is reading a section from the text of A Course in Miracles from chapter 2 called The Real Power of the Mind, and it is about mind-watching. So what I do as a teacher and as a healer is encourage people to watch their thoughts, their words, their attitudes, their feelings, their actions, you recognize that you actually have this ability to catch the thought and to correct it. You actually can transmute it into something completely different. So you can turn fear into gratitude and appreciation. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. So I welcome you here. I just arrived back from Denmark. I had the best time ever. I worked with a small group of people on Saturday and Sunday, and I love working with people. And one of my very favorite things, I know I do a lot of online work, but I love the experience of being physically with a group and being able to work with everyone individually. And at one point in the weekend, I came to a place, we did this exercise, I had everyone take 90 minutes and go find a quiet space and to sit in prayer. And true prayer is gratitude. It's a song of thanks to the Father for what you are. I had everyone really look at this idea of giving over all your gifts to God to help others. Whenever I invite someone to do an exercise, I always do it myself. And so I went and found a quiet spot and I sat quietly. I was in such appreciation and gratitude because the exercise was, can you sit consistently in that song of gratitude for 90 minutes? Most people can't do it for five minutes. And this is what I'm going to look at today when I read The Real Power of Your Mind. The mind is so undisciplined. It's like an undisciplined child, and you make a decision to live in joy, to live in gratitude, to live in appreciation, and the mind immediately starts pulling you down into thinking about your problems, 
thinking about your pain. It's constantly trying to get you off track. But you have the power to stay in that place consistently. So in that quiet space, I was thinking about how much I love working with people. And I started thinking about how I've had this vision to do live events, weekend workshops around the world, have people come. But then I started to think that is a very exclusive idea that ends up being for people with money. Because even if the price of the workshop is low, it still costs a lot of money for a plane ticket, for the hotel, for meals. And so it ends up being an experience only for people who can afford it. So I actually scrapped the idea for a moment. I said, okay, that's it. I'm just going to do online work from now on. Even though my heart has really been calling me to be physically with people, to get everyone in a group together. There's something that happens energetically when two or more are gathered with the one intent to stay centered in the truth. So I went back to the group. We were having a coffee break and I asked them, I said, do you think there's a difference between being here together in person for the weekend or could you have just done this work online by yourself listening to a video? And 100% it was agreed upon. There's something that happens when we're physically together. And I'm grateful to be able to communicate messages online that you can join with me in this moment. But it was, it was really a place for me where I could see my own mind going into trying to figure out how to make this happen. Like my mind started thinking, oh my God, that's a huge expense to rent a place and to set up the video equipment and the sound equipment and the audio and the microphones and the chairs and the brakes. And, and my mind talked myself out of it. And so when you're dealing with the emotion, this is a topic for today, is dealing directly with the emotion, standing in the discomfort and not moving away from that place. And when you do that, you have an opportunity now to see things differently. And I don't know any other way that it can happen unless you're standing in the discomfort without trying to rearrange it. And during these 90 minutes, I was guided to look at cameo number one in the CE version of A Course in Miracles. And it talks about the story with Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford before the voice began speaking to Helen. What the cameo says is that Helen began developing psychic abilities. And for a moment, she was using these psychic abilities for her own ego. She had thoughts of fame and fortune. She started to feel really good about these abilities and she was receiving guidance that these abilities were not for her alone. And she made a decision to give what she calls a gift. Jesus calls these gifts and abilities to give this gift to God to help others. So it's no longer yours. What it says in that cameo is that 
it was this decision that was a turning point that allowed A Course in Miracles to come through Helen. That she had to first declare and know in her own mind that this is not for me. And everything from there started to unfold. And that's what we did in Denmark. We all really came to this place and we, we looked at it honestly. And I said to everybody, you need to come to this place on your own. Just don't do it because everyone else here is doing it. It has to be sincere. Like, are you ready to give every ability and every gift that you have to God to help others? To be completely available to bring this light and this joy to the world. And, and that's really what I did with this idea of live events. Is at first I said it's too much for me. It's just too much work. And the thing that I discovered this weekend in Denmark was I still was holding on to some idols. And the main one is a need for quiet and a need for privacy and a need for my time. And I renounced them. I said, okay, I'm, I'm done with that now. Like, really, I'm here only to be truly helpful and renouncing any idea that I need space and saying every ability that I have father is now for your purposes to help others use me so I invite for you to look at that for yourself would you be willing to give over your gifts and your abilities to God to use to help others. And what I know to be true is that often you don't know your gifts and abilities until you make that kind of a declaration. And so what I was thinking about is how we're so often moving into the future in our minds, thinking about a scenario and how we think it's going to play out, and then planning our life around the future scenario that's only going on in our mind. And so we've moved ourselves away from this present moment. And yet when you stand totally in the moment with whatever situation seems to be occurring and you make a commitment that you are not going to move from that place and that you are determined to see things differently, that emotion dissolves by the light of your own mind. And so when I came back from Denmark, I had two situations that occurred that caused me to be upset. And I'm not going to tell the stories in detail because I've already dealt with the story and I don't think it's necessary for me to go through any of the details. But one situation involved me feeling that I had communicated something to someone and they didn't do it the way I wanted them to do it. They did it their way. This was a person who I had hired for a project. I didn't know her very well. And it just did not go the way that I had wanted it to go. And I wanted to tell that person so that they could be aware that they had done it wrong. So that was the first situation. The second situation had to do with my space. So suddenly I felt like my space was being invaded. My privacy was being taken away. And both situations, 
I could tell my peace was disturbed. I really felt, okay, I'm, I'm upset. But because of A Course in Miracles, I know I'm never upset for the reason I think. I was watching the mind, and I was not moving from that spot. And in the first situation, I'm grateful for my husband, Bill Free, because I told him, I'm going to tell this person that they didn't do it the way that they should have done it. And he really stopped me and he said, hold on a second. You know, that's just you making someone else guilty. Like, just stand in it. Just stand still in it and take responsibility for it and see what's in it for you. And this is what I love about using the situations in your life to find out what's hiding in your mind. This is the work of A Course in Miracles. And so I thought, okay, I was very clear in communicating what I wanted. And this person didn't do it. In fact, they did the opposite of what I asked them to do. And when I got quiet with it, instead of projecting my guilt and my blame and all those uncomfortable emotions onto the other person, I just sat still with it. And then I said, okay, so these are the specifics that she didn't listen and she did whatever she wanted to do when I told her what to do specifically. I could not have been more specific and clear in my mind. And then I thought to myself, okay, where am I doing that? Where do I do that? This voice in my head said, Lisa, you do it with me all the time. So that voice is Jesus. So I have this voice that speaks to me all the time. It speaks to me specifically. It tells me specifically what to do. And I don't do it that I do whatever I want to do instead of following the instruction that has come to me very clearly and very specifically from this voice. So, of course, once I had that revelation, I was in tremendous joy because I recognized, okay, wow, I do that all the time. And then I recognized that this person is actually my savior that they showed me something that I could not see. And I recognize that I have been doing this for years. Like I receive instruction in my mind, really could not be clear. And then I just decide, no, this way is a little bit better. The way I want to do it is a little bit better. And so to have this very clear example, and I loved what Bill said to me, Lisa, you must have wanted this to happen because it happened. You must have asked for this. And so now use it. Don't miss this opportunity to find what's hiding in your mind. And the same thing happened in the second situation where I felt that something had moved into my physical space. I just stood in it and I was determined to see it differently. And I got to this place where I felt so much gratitude and so much joy for things unfolding exactly the way they unfolded. I mean, it ended up being total freedom to me 
where before I really felt like I have to protect my space. Like I can't have other people in it. I really just need to have me time and downtime. And to, to really see that we are being brought to this place of freedom. So I invite for you to take any situations that are in your life and instead of trying to fix them outside of yourself, to stand in them, to stand in the emotion, to stand in the discomfort and be determined to see it differently. Like turn it around and the light of your mind will dissolve it. You will see it completely differently and you will see the gift that is in it. And so what I wanted to do today was to read from chapter two called The Real Power of the Mind. And it says, everyone experiences fear and nobody enjoys it. Yet it would take very little right thinking to know why it occurs. Very few people appreciate the real power of the mind and nobody remains fully aware of it all the time. This is inevitable in this world because the human being has many things he must do and cannot engage in constant thought watching. However, if he hopes to spare himself from fear, there are some things he must realize and realize fully at least some of the time. The mind is a very powerful agent and it never loses its creative force it never sleeps. Every instant it is making or creating and always as you will. Many of your ordinary expressions reflect this. For example, when you say don't give it a thought, you are implying that if you do not think about something, it will have no effect on you. This is true enough. On the other hand, many other expressions are clear expressions of the prevailing lack of awareness of thought power. For example, you say, just an idle thought, and mean that the thought has no effect. You also speak of some actions as thoughtless, implying that if the person had thought, he would not have behaved as he did. You also use phrases like thought-provoking, which is bland enough, but the term a provoking thought means something quite different. While expressions like think big give some recognition to the power of thought, they still come nowhere near the truth. You do not expect to grow when you say it because you really don't believe it. It is hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge which can literally move mountains. So that's it. That's the key. Thought and belief combined together literally can move mountains. But we don't watch our thoughts and we have lack beliefs. And so here's a great necessity to change your mind, to change your thoughts and to change your belief. I'm going to read that again. It is hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge which can literally move mountains. It appears at first glance that to believe such power about yourself is merely arrogant, but that is not the real reason why you don't believe it. 
People prefer to believe that their thoughts cannot exert real control because they are literally afraid of them. Therapists try to help people who are afraid of their own death wishes by depreciating the power of their wish. They even attempt to free the patient by persuading him that he can think whatever he wants without any real effect at all. There is a real dilemma here, which only the truly right-minded can escape. I really want you to think about that. Often we think, well, I didn't say it, so no one knows what I'm thinking, and it can have no effect. But what this is saying is that your thoughts are affecting everything. So you can't just be aware of your words and the things that come out of your mouth. You must become aware of your thoughts and actually stop them. And not just stop them, but correct them and replace them with the truth. So you can't just have a grievance about a person and then just decide that you're just not going to have a grievance anymore about this person. Or you'll just maybe think, oh, they don't get it or you think you can just shut them out of your life. That won't work. You have to identify what the problem is, what the grievance is, what the upset is. You're using the person or the situation to find out what's in your mind. This is your block and your obstacle to the awareness of love's presence. And then what you do is you have a determination to correct the thought and replace it with the truth. So you don't just shut the person out. You don't just push them aside. You must see them as your friend. You must see them as part of you. And it must be sincere. It cannot just be lip service. It cannot just be a thought in the mind. You must get to the place where you feel genuine joy that this person is you and that they just showed you something. That they literally showed you something that you could not see. And you feel tremendous gratitude now for them for showing you this. So it says, death wishes do not kill in the physical sense, but they do kill spiritually. All destructive thinking is dangerous. Given a death wish, a person has no choice except to act upon his thought or behave contrary to it. He can choose only between homicide and fear. And then it says, see previous notes on will conflicts, which is, let's see, Robert Perry writes, a secondary meaning of death wish is a desire for the death of another person towards whom one harbors unconscious hostility. The phrase previous notes on will conflicts refers to the previous section, particularly paragraphs 6 to 11. So this is in chapter 2. This reference shows that fear of one's destructive wishes, which is what is being discussed above, is the same fear discussed in the previous section. The other possibility is that he depreciates the power of his thought. This is the usual psychoanalytic approach. This does allay guilt, but at the cost of rendering thinking impotent. If you believe that what you think is ineffectual, you may cease to be overly afraid of it, 
but you are hardly likely to respect it either. The world is full of endless examples of how people have depreciated themselves because they are afraid of their own thoughts. In some forms of insanity, thoughts are glorified, but this is only because the underlying depreciation was too effective for tolerance. Here we go. The truth is that there are no idle thoughts. All thinking produces form on some level. Very important. There's no idle thoughts. None. Every time you think the slightest thing about another person, that will have an effect. And so you become very fast to catch the thought, stop it in its tracks, be determined to see things differently. You replace the thought. You're constantly watching the thoughts and you're constantly canceling them out and you are replacing them with the truth. There are no idle thoughts. All thinking produces form at some level. The reason why people are afraid of ESP and so often react against it is because they know that thoughts can hurt them. Their own thoughts have made them vulnerable. You who complain about fear still persist in producing it most of the time. I, and this is Jesus, I told you in the last section that you cannot ask me to release you from it because I know it does not exist. You don't. If I merely intervene between your thoughts and their results, I would be tampering with a basic law of cause and effect, in fact, the most fundamental one that there is in this world. And I love this because so often we think, I can't not be afraid. We just think that we don't have a choice in the matter. We're looking at our bank account. We've lost our job. Somebody's left us. Somebody's died. Something's being taken away from you. And you feel fear. And if you're not watching your mind carefully, you really believe that you have to be afraid. But think about it. It does nothing. You being afraid does not change the situation. All it does is produce more thinking. It's like an energy field that just pulls you right down off your center and it just pulls you. And as it's pulling you down, you're feeling worse and worse. And so this does require mastery to, to really see what's going on and to say no. In the face of your worst fear, whatever it is that's happening to you and it's terrible, that you can really say, okay, fear's not helping here. Yes, I'm afraid. I don't like this situation. I want it to be different. Fear's not helping me here. And what you discover is that you have the ability to stand still right in that fear and just be still and to breathe. Just be okay with the situation. You start watching your reactions. You're watching the mind. You're not doing anything. You're just watching the mind. 
You're bringing yourself back to the center. You're breathing. You're like, okay, I'm okay. Breathing. You recognize I'm safe. In this moment, I'm safe. And you watch the mind. And maybe you lost your job. And maybe you think, well, I'm not safe. Because now what am I going to do about money? And you still are standing there in the stillness. And you're trusting. You're trusting in this moment. You're trusting in the unfolding. And this is mastery. You're mastering your emotions now. You're mastering your thoughts. You're not letting them be in charge anymore. You're in charge. And this does take trust. It does take discipline. It takes determination. It takes commitment. Because everything in this world is designed to pull us off center. This was our will, that we be separate from God. And now what you're doing is you're saying no. I'm not going to let myself get pulled anymore into other people's dramas, into my own emotional outbursts. You recognize that you have the ability to stay in peace. You can find that place again. It, Jesus says, I would hardly help you if I depreciated the power of your own thinking. This would be in direct opposition to the purpose of this course. It is certainly much more useful for me to remind you that you do not guard your thoughts at all carefully, except for a relatively small part of the day and somewhat inconsistently even then. I love that. Jesus, he's such a great teacher for me because he just goes right to the chase. He says, you do not guard your thoughts at all carefully. You may feel at this point that it would take a miracle to enable you to do this, which is perfectly true. Human beings are not used to miraculous thinking, but they can be trained to think that way. All miracle workers have to be trained that way, and that's what you are. You're a miracle worker. You're taking your place in God's plan now. You are a miracle worker. You have gifts and abilities. You may not know them yet. You were sent here by God, and now you're remembering. You come to this place when you recognize, I want to live the adventure. I want to live a life that's continually unfolding in a miraculous way. I don't want to keep being afraid and bound by my own limitations. And you really say it. I want you to say, I'm a miracle worker. I am a miracle worker. All miracle workers have to be trained that way. I have to be able to count on them. That's Jesus. Jesus has to be able to count on us. This means that I cannot allow them to leave their minds unguarded or they will not be able to help me. Miracle working entails a full realization of the power of thought and real avoidance of miscreation. Otherwise, the miracle would be necessary merely to set the mind itself straight, a circular process which would hardly foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended. And the time collapse is one of my very, very favorite ideas in A Course in Miracles. It's from Chapter 1, and it's totally quantum. I've done a lot of teaching on it. There's lots of videos out there. 
it's it's where you recognize that you've been trapped in your own timeline and that in a present moment the holy instant you can leave your timeline you go beyond the body beyond your image beyond all stories beyond all people beyond your environment beyond your emotions you leave it all behind this is what jesus said two thousand years ago to his disciples follow me and no one wanted to go a very few handful of individuals were willing to leave behind everything and go with him and the metaphysics is that it's not a leaving follow me here in the world it's leaving behind your entire thought structure and it's a construct that you have constructed around yourself beliefs and habits and ideas and you have been living by these and this is the prison house you put yourself in a prison of ideas of your own making and into the prison comes a light that says follow me let's get out of here and you must leave everything you must be willing to leave behind every single thing and very few individuals are willing to do this they say I'll go a little but I still need to hold on to my family my children my my job my money like I still need to have some little bit of control because the mind is it's literally telling you you need to be afraid like you need to plan for your own safety so are you ready let's go then it says I'm just going to read this again. The miracle would be necessary merely to set the mind itself straight, a circular process which would hardly foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended, nor would it induce the healthy respect which every miracle worker must have for true cause and effect. Miracles cannot free the miracle worker from fear. Both miracles and fear come from his thoughts. And if he were not free to choose one, he would also not be free to choose the other. Remember, we said before that when electing one person, you reject another. It is much the same in electing the miracle. By so doing, you have rejected fear. So every time you choose from miraculous thinking, you are rejecting the fear-based thinking. You can't have both. And so you choose. In every situation, in every grievance, in every conflict, you can choose miraculous thinking. You can choose love. You can choose gratitude. You can choose peace. And in that, the fear dissolves. And that's really what I was expressing is that when you're standing in the discomfort and you're not trying to fix the situation, you're not trying to make yourself feel more comfortable, you're standing in the discomfort of the emotion and you are willing to see it differently. You are willing to choose miraculous thinking in that very place. The fear dissolves and it's gone forever. It won't come back again. And so you really start to have a consistency now in this work. You're not letting a single thought slip by your awareness. You are so vigilant now 
for when these thoughts are taking you off track again. And you know when they take you off track by the way that you feel. So I, I give all my thanks for you being here. I'm in the last paragraph here. It says, You have been afraid of God, of me, Jesus, of yourself, and of practically everyone you know at one time or another. This can only be because you have miscreated all of us and believe in what you made. You would never have done this if you had not been afraid of your own thoughts. The vulnerable are essentially miscreators because they misperceive creation. Amen. I love the next section here too. It talks about the unwatched mind. As always, I encourage you to get a copy of this book and to begin it, to make a commitment to read the text, to do the workbook lessons. It takes one year to read the manual for teachers, to get the psychotherapy booklet, to get the song of prayer booklet, and make a commitment to this mind training. And it will change your life. And I'm very grateful that you're here with me. As always, I hope this is helpful. And I hope that you practice. I hope that you take every situation that's in your life and, and use it. You know, my mom, I love her. She's, she's practicing and she listens to these shows. Hi, mom. And she told me two stories of two different situations where you know, people were saying things to her and she didn't defend herself. She didn't, she didn't go to that place she normally goes of being upset. And she just, just was in a place of just watching her mind and she said in both situations, the situation changed. And this, of course, is what I want for everyone, is for you to see that when you change your mind, the physical world that you thought you saw changes with it, because cause and effect are one. So I love you with all my heart. I'm leaving for the Camino with 22 friends on Monday morning. My husband, Bill Free, is coming with me. And we're going to walk 150 miles in Portugal and Spain. We return back on June 20th. I am not going to make a plan for anything during those weeks that I'm away. I may record a show. I may not record a show. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Because I'm a big believer in being present in the moment and allowing things to come to you. Like really, what's your next step? And allow for your timeline to be disrupted. Allow for all of your routines to be let go of. Allow yourself that kind of freedom. Allow the space to change. It's always going to be a bigger space, but when we hang on to our ideas of what we're supposed to do, of what we need to do, of what we've promised to do, you're holding yourself to your own timeline. And so now you have a willingness to come squarely in this present moment and let go of the past, let go of the future, watch your mind like a hawk. If you've never heard of the 40-day program, I invite you to do that. It's a free program that I created. You can find it at the Teachers of God Foundation website. 
You can find it on my website, lisanatoli.com. And it's a really great activation for anyone who wants to see how their mind has been working and to see themselves differently and to release themselves from this fear. So I love you. I thank you. I bless you. And, and this is the place. What's the practice? When a thought comes in, you bless it. You love it. I'm just going to share with you one final thing. I saw a message this morning. Somebody in the Living in Purpose Mastery program, she wrote that what she's been doing is catching every mindless thought and catching it and using Ho'oponopono. I love that. Like she's just in every thought, she's she's stopping it on the spot and and saying thank you. I love you. And she's really taking that responsibility. And we're blessing our thoughts now. We're giving love to everyone and to everything. We're using the light of our minds to extend. You are the light. Extend this light. Be this love. Shine this light. I thank you for joining with me.